returning. I cannot wait. Thursday night football a week from today. And then a full slate of Sunday games. We're going to break down all the latest news from around the NFL. We're going to speak to wide receiver of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the fantasy darling, Mike Evans. And we're going to go through your Twitter questions in depth. This is The Gridiron Show. I like that even though you haven't got headphones on over there, you are continuing to do the dance. Yeah. That yeah. is a level of dedication that I expect from you at all times, Ollie Hunter. Uh, you're welcome. If I was in... Uh, if we're, We are not uh, in the studio. We are in Will's front room. The shed has been vacated. Uh, it, however, if I was in the studio, when you said we're just a week away from real football, the celebration drop would have been, would have, uh, been dropped. Come on, man. Come oh, on. I, I, I'm not ready for this. That's right, yeah. No, it's still going. The music's still going. Ollie, this is too much pressure for me. What uh, have you done to me? Uh, you see, it's, it's, it's a tough job. Tough role, to my bang. role. To the bang? Oh. Uh, <laughs> that's what we ended up going with. Uh, Tight spiral balls. You're, you're, a, you're a mess. You're a disgrace. Right, so, football. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, football, yeah, yeah. We've been waiting about three days to do this podcast because we keep scheduling it and then rescheduling it and then rescheduling it again. And then being let down by certain people, facilities, and uh, places of work. But we are now here, we are now recording, we are just a week away from it. There is so much news to cram in this week that at the end of today's show, we're going to have a special little announcement. Are we? we yeah. Okay. I'm sure I told Do you Do I know this. what it is? Uh, is I'm it sure it was on the email, but then I'm not sure that you actually read my emails at any time. Is it the thing in capitals at the bottom of the email? Uh, I'm not looking at the bottom of the email, but uh, let me just double check. Yeah, it's the thing in capitals oh, yeah, at the bottom pretty, of the email. That's pretty exciting. <laughs> really exciting. Oh, what well, are you doing, cat? The cat has come to sniff around at the mixing desk. So if any of our mics suddenly get turned down or you suddenly hear a very loud purring noise, I apologise for that now. She's just pissy because she's not allowed outside at the moment. Um, look, Ollie, uh, I normally at this point in affairs ask you how you've been, what you've been doing with your week, all that sort of stuff. But I'm going to need you to be brief, because there's a lot to cram in there. I got sent off in football. <laughs> <laughs> right, forget being brief. Tell me all about it. Well, OK, so I'm, I'm playing for this Armenian side. I found right, hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> that is a story in itself. What do you mean I am playing for this Armenian side? Armenian. Right, OK. OK, so um, a friend of mine is the manager. He's of Armenian descent. He's English, and it's a team about... From the Armenian community, they represented London in the Armenian Games uh, a wow. couple of years ago. That's incredible. <laughs> Which is pretty incredible. So I play for this side, and of course, um, Armenians are quite hot-headed. Hot-headed, and uh, of course, I mean, yeah, that's not a racial stereotype I'm familiar with, but let's go with it. Of course, um, think of the Kardashians, hotheads. I don't. Uh, are the Kardashians Armenian. Yeah. That's news to me. And How did you not know that? I, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of glad that that's news to me. Wow. Okay. Anyway. Um, I found it. It's unbelievable. It's because it had a different name. It was called Kit Watch, not Celebrate. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> totally understandable. Carry on. Well, um, so uh, we had a, a very dubious penalty go against us. There's a lot of back, ch back chat against the referee. I've been kind of nice to the referee. I haven't said anything to him. 
about 10 minutes later, he's still getting a lot of abuse from both sides. I go in for a 50-50. He says I've gone in with two studs. With studs with up. With two studs. Yeah. Two whole studs. <laughs> studs Just up. Just like this podcast. Two, two feet. I hadn't. I'd won the ball. It was such a ridiculous decision. And because it was a friendly, they... Yeah, I got sent off in a friendly. The, the opposition <laughs> side allowed me to be subbed. However, I wasn't allowed to come back on. But I did receive a red card. Wow. Did you get fined for that as well? No, 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 no. He didn't take my name, which is good. What would the fine be? Just out of interest. I think it's probably 50 quid. Oh, big money. Yeah. That's big bucks to someone like us, Ollie. Yeah, it really is. Uh, it is. What's going on with you? Not, not really a huge amount to tell. I've, do you know what? My whole week this week has been dominated by fantasy drafts. And I kind of realised that the... The idea we were going to do a fantasy podcast has probably kind of gone out the window because I was going to do it this week. And then just looking across the Twitters and the Facebooks and all those sorts of things. It seems like most people have done their fantasy drafts already. So what advice can we really bring at this point? Uh, we're not going to bring any advice. I was thinking we'd do a fantasy podcast so that people could advise us. Yeah, that's probably for the best. <laughs> Look, three bits of advice. First one, fantasypros.com is the greatest website in the world. Second one, you can't do anything much wrong in the first four rounds as long as you take your, your kind of studs, your big names. Most of the people going in the first four rounds, I like... There's, Watch out for some injury worry guys like Alshon Jeffrey. But those first four rounds, who? all this nonsense about. I don't know who Alshon <laughs> Jeffrey is. Yeah, Ollie turned up to our live in person draft with a cheat sheet which had the name of no bears on it. <laughs> yeah. Literally, not one single bear. Uh, look, and and kind of combine that with the fact that this thing about you have to take running back, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, running, like forget that. Let the draft come to you. Take the best player available. Like I was at draft come. To I, you. Right, I was so like, on the draft I did last night, which was with Rich Graves from Sky and the Mike White and the kind of those. I bet da- you he uh, Rich Graves took Dak Prescott, didn't he? Uh, no, he didn't. But he did take Zeke Elliott in the first round. It, that that kind of Yorkshire collective that I do a thing with. And at the end of the first round, I you know all of my mocks I've been taking a, a running back in the first round when I've been picking towards ten, twelve around there because there tends to be. Still a very top level running back left at that level whereas the big name wide receivers the Julio Jones and those kind of guys have already gone well in this draft it just happened that quite a few running backs have gone off the board I got DeAndre Hopkins at 10 who on my personal board is my number 5 overall player so I was delighted and then when it swung back round to 14 Alan Robinson was there so I took Alan Robinson so I'd never gone wide receiver wide receiver in a single mock but I got two players who I consider to be first rounders and then I filled up on some you know good quality mid-level running backs later in the draft and that's fine you're happy with that. Yeah, exactly. And then the other thing is, when you get beyond doing your starting lineup, kickers and defences, last two rounds, I don't care what anyone says, after you've picked what you consider your starting lineup, you've maybe moved beyond the flex into one on the bench or something just because the value was there, take guys with high upside. Don't go taking... I was about to say Mohamed Tanu. That feels a bit harsh. But kind of people like Mike Wallace, who are probably going to get... 120 fantasy points this year, 100 fantasy points this year, but they're going to get them by getting like six points a week. You could do that. Oh, that doesn't even work out in terms of mass, but well. I got you. I understood. Take the guys who are are either rookies or high upside guys or guys who are in a situation where they've got a very injury-prone guy in front of them that have the potential to be starters and number ones. Those are the kind of guys to go for. Right, we've given all the fantasy advice we need to give. We don't need to do a fantasy podcast. Oh, wow, okay. Sorry, do you have any? Do you have any favourites? I Well, and I got poo-pooed for, for taking him too high. I like Kelvin Benjamin. And I don't understand why people are suddenly all down on him 
when he he would have been one of those guys if he had the same year as he had in his rookie season he would have he would be one of those guys that you'd take in the first two rounds this year if it wasn't for the injury my feeling on Kelvin Benjamin is that there's no huge difference between Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funchess in terms of their production so far this off season off season and here's, here's what I'm saying Listen, hey, why are you believing um, why are you believing I didn't pre-season? say pre-season football pre-season I didn't say pre-season football I'm talking about training camp etc the point is is that Devin Funchess yes is not going to be he's not the number one guy Kelvin Benjamin is the number one guy but you get Devin Funchess in like round 10 you get Kelvin Benjamin in round two or three, and around the same place you can get Kelvin Benjamin, you get Brandon Marshall, Brandon Cooks. You can get these guys who I rate much higher than I rate Kelvin Benjamin. I bet you. And then if I want a Panthers wide receiver, I take him in like round ten. Board bet, beer bet. I beer bet you that Kelvin Benjamin has a better fantasy season than Brandon Cooks and Brandon Marshall. Okay, well, he has to finish above both of those guys. Yeah. Fine, done. All right. We, we can't really shake on it, but let's just go. Oh, 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 it's, it's magic because Brandon Marshall's going to have another huge season off season. Another huge season. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. I took Brandon Marshall third round in that draft. So I took three wide receivers to start off you with. You went fully James Dixon. <laughs> but the fact is, is that Brandon Marshall was like my number 16 rate player on the board. By this time, it was like pick 34 or something. I'm like, well, that's like double the value. So I got overexcited and went for a third wide receiver, immediately regretted it, and I'm now looking at trades. Um, talking of Fitzmagic... Oh, I have, uh, I, sorry, just very quickly, I have to give some love to the auction league. The guys got in touch. We got it done. Sorry to the people who got in touch who couldn't join. Don't know what you're talking we about. Got to, we got to too many players and we filled it up, but it was a really good fun. The draft took almost three hours. I didn't realise how lengthy those drafts are, but it was a hell of a lot of fun, and thanks to all the guys who got involved. And uh, I think it's going to be a really good league this year. The auction drafts are brilliant. I wouldn't say... I'm not one of these people who's going to say, oh, it's the only way you can do it going forward. Because I like both, but I want to do at least one a year because it's good fun. Good for you. Ollie, if we do it live in person next year, which is very much a possibility, will you come and be our auctioneer? Because we ideally need somebody who's not playing. I mean, what's the point in that? So you, you've got to come there and be like trying to bid players up and being the guy at the front. I'll give you a gavel and everything. Yeah, all right, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm easily sold. Now, you mentioned... Um, Sorry, yeah, let's talk football. You mentioned Fitz Magic there. You saw that tweet that I retweeted from the New York Jets of him describing Eric Decker. Oh, my God, it's so funny. That's one of the funniest things I've seen come from a football player in a long time. You can tell he's gone to Harvard. I don't know what that means. But, <laughs> but when talking about Fitzmagic, you have to kind of bring in that he's gone to Harvard. Oh, yeah, but it's, it's a prerequisite. I, I implore everyone to find that Jets tweet or look at, at Ollie Hunter for that video. It's so, so funny. We could play in the audio now, but that means doing extra work. And I've got to actually go to work in about 45 minutes' time. So let's roll on instead. But basically, he, he just he talks. It's The whole thing is him describing the 40 seconds, the 40 seconds from when the play clock starts to it going down and kind of goes, so I call the play, I get to the line, and I look over and Eric De- Decker catches my eye and I think... Was Eric Decker just looking at me? <laughs> yeah. And then I completely forget which player I've called. <laughs> it's really, really <laughs> funny. I, I think that's half improvised, half he's thought about it. Either way, it's a moment of genius, and it makes me love Fitzmagic that little bit more. So there's obviously been huge quarterback news this week on many fronts. None more so than the Steelers claiming Zach Mettenberger off waivers. That was meant to be a joke, but you're too busy stroking my cat who's actually allowing you to, which is 
mental. Um, we've got to stop talking about them. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Zach Mettenberger claimed off waivers by the Steelers. I mean, it's a huge upgrade on what they already had. They had one of the worst set of backups in the league and in Big Ben, even though I think in the last two seasons he's taken the step up into being one of those top two, three receivers in the league. Uh, to receivers, top two, three quarterbacks in the league. Uh, he has missed games. He missed games last year. And so I think it makes sense to have a decent level backup. Uh, and when you consider what happened in Dallas last week, it shows you just how important a decent level backup is. So Messenberger, fine. Yeah, yeah thumbs up for me. He's got a great arm. Um, and he's had a lot of first-team snaps. So... Yeah, I think it's a good a good fit all round, really. Away from the gaggery, obviously, two big injuries happened uh, this week. Let's start off with Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater just the other night. Suffered a dislocated knee and a torn ACL. Underwent an MRI, which confirmed a complete tear to his ACL and other structural damage. Uh, fortunately, there appears to be no nerve or arterial damage. Surgical repair will be scheduled within the next few days. Massively in this situation, uh, top-level surgeons have said... If the training staff hadn't acted as quickly as they had and as intelligently as they had, having seen the injury, it was so severe that Teddy Bridgewater could have lost his leg. Holy moly. That's how bad we're talking about this tear being. Now, actually, being a full ACL tear, bizarrely, in the long run, is quite positive news for Bridgewater. Because the difference between a partial ACL tear and a full ACL tear is when you tear it partially and you have it partially repaired, you then end up with... Uh, a ligament which has tendons which are original, fully working, fully strength, and then these newly constructed, surgically placed ones, and you end up getting a different level of strain on different parts of the knee, and actually it's much more likely to re-injure. Whereas mm. if you go in and you repair the entire thing and you re- and replace the entire thing, the rehab can actually be quicker because once the knee is up to strength, it re-injury is a lot less likely. Um, it's been amazing to see just the level of support that has uh, come out for Ter- Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, I, I, not amazing because obviously he's a player who clearly is very liked, but when you saw um, Zimmer giving his press conference on him afterwards, clearly shaken up and clearly, you know, when he talks about loving this young man, he clearly meant it. And uh, coming, people coming out from around the league and saying just how much love and how much support they felt for him how much time they were giving to him. It was, it was a very emotional response. Um, but I think the main thing is, is that I don't think it's that huge a loss. Uh, interestingly... Well, the- I agree, because I'm not big on Teddy Bridgewater. I think... I th- <laughs> it's horrible to say. I think he's an accident waiting to happen. When he was actually playing football, I think people would find out about him very, very quickly. Maybe they already had. Um I've never been that big on Teddy Bridgewater. However, Sean Hill, Joel Stave coming in. I mean, Sean, Sean Hill isn't a guy I've got a huge amount of love for. But look exactly. what they did. Look what they did with Christian Ponder. Uh, Sean, Sean Hill's a guy actually as, a, as the Rams backup when he came in and played three or four games. Actually, had a really good three or four games. But he's not someone who, once he's found out will last very long. Um, Bridgewater, to give him some props, because we'll get lots of hate from Vikings fans, because neither of us are big fans of his, he's a very intelligent quarterback. He rarely makes big mistakes. He's not dissimilar to the kind of Alex Smith mold, and you want to call him a game manager and everything else. But his throwing motion is a problem, and he doesn't take enough shots downfield. And actually, in that kind of offense where you're going to be relying on Adrian Peterson to run all year long, well, okay, 
I get that Adrian Peterson's a freak and one of the best running backs to have played in the league in recent years, if not one of the best ever. But if he's facing nine-man boxes week in, week out, because teams know you're not going to throw it beyond six, seven yards, and he's 31, 32 years old, that's not going to be easy on his body. It's not like you find Le'Veon Bell and the way he can run in his offense, and D'Angelo Williams as well when he came in as an older guy. They'll have much more space. They create space themselves, particularly Le'Veon Bell, because Le'Veon Bell's lateral movement is incredible. But space is created because the passing game's a threat and teams have to sit slightly deeper and they can't just come up and put everyone into the run. And you saw it at the very beginning of last year and the first game of the year with the 49ers where the Vikings went into there and that was the, probably the 49ers' best performance of the year. They just completely shut down the run and I'm worried that teams would be able to do that. But actually, if you go out and get a bigger round guy, Mettenberger wouldn't have been a, wouldn't have been a bad shout. Yeah. I don't think he's necessarily a consistent starter, but Josh McCown, I think uh, the Browns will basically trade anyone with any value whatsoever. <laughs> you offer them like a fourth or fifth round pick for Josh McCown. You're probably slightly overpaying for an older guy, but he, who is a backup himself? He could. He Josh McCown could carry this team to the playoffs, no problem. Christian Ponder did it with Adrian Peterson, with a worse defence and a worse offensive line well, yeah, than they have there now. The, the, the defence is far improved now. With, be, be, with the draft, with, um, with, with a few free agents coming in, a few guys staying, it's a far improved defence. And as we saw with Denver Broncos last year, get that defence right, you can pretty much do what you like on offence and have uh, Peyton Manning, a, a bad Peyton Manning or an unproven Brock Osweiler take them to the, to the Super Bowl. So, I mean... When you first said Josh McCown could take them to the playoffs, I thought you were ridiculous. But having thought it through <laughs> in that last minute, uh, yeah, perhaps Vegas have adjusted their over underline for the for the Vikings from nine and a half down to eight games. I'd be really surprised if the Vikings still went five hundred this year. That defense is the kind of defense which, with which uh, mid-level offense could go deep in the playoffs. And people have talked about it as a Super Bowl-type defense. And I do think that in Mike Zimmer, they've got a head coach who ranks up there with the very best in the league at the moment. Tough schedule this year. Mm. Uh, not an easy one whatsoever, even though they're playing the NFC East, which obviously is one of the, <laughs> the more less predictable divisions. But I honestly think that that they have a potential to still go deep without Bridgewater. I don't think he comes back this year at all. There are other guys out there. Mike Glennon's another shower who's not been mentioned uh, in too many circles. I think the Bucks want to keep hold of Mike Glennon from what I understand, but Mike Glennon looks like a startable, serviceable quarterback, and if you can get him for a third or fourth round pick, then Jameis Winston looks phenomenal. Yeah. And Jameis Winston is... Well, we'll talk Jameis Winston when we talk about Mike Evans in a bit, but yeah, Mike Glennon's another name, Geno Smith's another name, Colin Kaepernick's another name. Well, do you know we what? could all the work stuff with going, that offense. The stuff that's going on with Kaepernick at the moment, and I know we'll talk about that as well, that could almost be... Right, get Kaepernick out of that, what's going on in the Bay Area, get him out to Minnesota, in, an indoor stadium, let's not forget, so the whole... Going north and it affecting him. Okay, the 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 road game to Green Bay and um, Chicago will. But apart from that, I could that would be a great fit for me. Now the the Vikings have their bye week in week six, so I'll run through what you know with a, either a new quarterback or a back, backup quarterback coming in. It'll take some time to bed in, especially this late on in the in the in preseason. Their first game is at Tennessee then at home to Green Bay, at Carolina, home to New York, Giants, home to the Texans, 
I could, you know, you could see them going two and three or one and four out of those. Or you could see them going three and two. Well, you say you could see them going three and two. With a startable quarterback, I could see them going four and one in those games. I think they, I think the Titans have a really poor secondary and I know they're on the road. But I think the Packers are beatable at home for them, even though I, I rate the Packers very highly this year. Mm. Plus, divisional game, you don't know what's going to happen there. First pa- game at the US Bank Stadium as well. Panthers is the loss. And then Giants and Texans at home are both beatable. We don't know what that Texans offense is going to look like. So, you know, the future is still bright for the Vikings. Let's not, like, hang up the cleats and give up yet. Um, another name that's being tossed around is Mark Sanchez. And Mark Sanchez is also being heavy heavily linked with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, apparently the Broncos are trying to sh- uh, ship Mark Sanchez in their direction in exchange well for a pick with, uh, with Trevor Simeon doing so well there and with obviously Paxton Lynch being considered the future. But let's be honest, disaster. Whether you think Dak Prescott has had a great preseason or not, disaster has struck in Dallas. Romo, uh, Tony Romo, if you've seen the actual sack itself, goes down and it's as he's sliding, but he slides very late and gets basically compressed into the ground and has a compression fracture in his spine. And at this point, I'm starting to feel like... Is his spine made of glass? I'm starting to feel like if... There's some talk about Tony Romo could be back mid-season, and actually they're still talking about him week for week. It's a weird injury because I was listening to Stefania Bell talking about this on ESPN, but because you can't put any kind of brace on it because you can't, there's no way of knowing how long it's going to take to repair itself and when you're going to be football ready. And actually, with pain medication and with all the the right management, actually he could be ready by week five, week six, even mm-hmm. earlier, potentially. I think if he comes back mid-season and Dak Prescott or whoever else they have under centre has taken this Cowboys team to four and four, five and four, four and five, that kind of level where in an NFC East, which we expect to be tight, will still be the potential to make the playoffs. I think he comes back in. I think he tries to make that playoff run. I think he wants the one last run at a championship. And they've got the offense to do it. I think the Cowboys' defense is a dumpster fire. And maybe late in the season when they get some of those suspended players back and some of those injured players back, they'll be better. But if he comes in and they're in potential championship form, then I think he comes back. Regardless of what happens this year, if Tony Romo doesn't retire at the end of the season for the sake of his own body, I think he's being stupid. Yeah, I mean... it's this is the third season in a row where I think he had two big injuries last season as well, where he is getting picking up these pretty serious injuries in the in serious areas of the body as well. The spine is not to be messed with. It, this is isn't it's a second sort of back related injury. He's had two 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 back injuries, different bones. He's broken. He's also broken his clavicle twice. Yeah. And the thing is with a broken clavicle is it, it, the size of the bone means it's not a clean break at all, which means you get fragments, which means it shatters, which means when it, re- when it repairs, it doesn't repair fully. And actually that means that there's real danger of that clavicle breaking again. So he could come back and then take a big hit, go down on his shoulder, break his clavicle again. He's just to the point where you've got to say, I've made my money. I've made my mark. Tony Romo will be talked about, by Cowboys fans in Hall of Fame's terms, I have to say that whilst you might consider him better than Eli, not better than Eli, whatever you want to say, the lack of postseason production, I think, will cost him in those terms. And that's why I think if he gets a chance at the postseason this year when he comes back, he goes, look, if I can take my team to an NFC Championship game, if I can take my team to a Super Bowl, if I take my team to a Super Bowl victory, 
then I could be considered potentially a Hall of Fame quarterback. But I do think that level of success is missing for him. So as we speak here on... Uh, what the 1st of September we are so far away from any of that being an eventuality (laughs) Jerry Jones distanced himself this week from the Drew Bledsoe uh, Tom Brady comparisons uh, with the Dak Prescott uh, Tony Romo comparisons and he's right to do so but Prescott from what we saw in pre-season and as I said I know it's just pre-season but he looks okay. Can I just say, if Jerry Jones has fluked into a starting quarterback <laughs> oh, in Dak Pre- Prescott... Here we go. Like, I knew this has, would happen. It, Jerry Jones, if he has managed to completely fluke into a... And this is a guy who he desperately wanted to take Johnny Football and was talked out of it. He wanted to trade up for Paxton Lynch. He wanted to trade up for Connor Cook. If it, I'm not saying he's got the best quarterback in this draft, because I think there are other guys with higher upside. But if he goes into this season with a serviceable starting quarterback who could go on and have a decent NFL career, and he's fluked into him in the fourth round after trying to do something stupid on two separate occasions in this draft, and at least two occasions in the last two drafts, then... It's just proof that everything he's done to me is a complete fluke. And the fact that he's put good people around him in recent years who have convinced him offensive line is the way to go. You know, I I just think Jerry Jones, he's up for the Hall of Fame this year as um, one of the two, I forget what they call it, contributor slots. Uh, It's him and it's it's Paul Tagliabue, the former commissioner, are both up for that special new slot that they've added in. Jerry Jones makes the Hall of Fame this year. He needs to drop the mic and walk away from football activities. Just needs to say, I've done what I wanted to do. Let's hire a GM and let's see what we can do with somebody at the helm who actually will make the right decisions for football reasons, not for personal reasons, cash reasons, whatever else it might be for PR reasons, you know, want the splashy player, let's get somebody in to run this organisation for me. Well done, mate. You've, uh, you've, you've finally got that off your chest. Uh, finally? Oh, trust me, I will be getting that off my chest for the next 12 months until we know either way whether he's in the Hall of Fame. Um, I read an amazing article actually today. It's not on, this isn't on the running order, Ollie. I'm really sorry. I've gone off book. It's right. It's that Browns article, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Michael Silver from uh, NFL has written a Browns article on the first 33 weeks of Hugh Jackson's, um, appoint, uh, Hugh Jackson's time in Cleveland. And I genuinely came away from that article feeling like between Sashi Brown, between Hugh Jackson, between everyone else involved, then they're going to be a winning organization within a few years if they manage to, keep the ship on a steady course. And it's, it was interesting because it gave real insider knowledge, real insight. I didn't realise just how in on Goff the Browns were. We got the impression that they were because the moment that the Rams moved up, they started suddenly looking to potentially ship that pick. But I didn't realise just how all in on Jared Goff Hugh Jackson was. I also didn't realise just how all in on RG3 was. But uh, I, I still think that with how in they were, they'll still be looking for a quarterback longer term. And I like all the moves that they've been making. And I think that actually the Browns, I just wanted to mention, I think it's going to be an interesting team soon. Wow. Should we get to... There were a few Wow, t- I, I can't add to any of that apart from, <laughs> uh, uh, from disdain and inner ridicule. <laughs> Thanks, babes. Um, there were actually a few tweets on these two quarterback injuries. Uh, Will tweeted us, how much would it cost the 49ers for the Vikings to take cap off their hands Whoa. if the doc decides <laughs> the Teddy season is over? I mean, my, uh, you know, I think that Kaepernick is probably available for a mid-round pick. I think they wanted, I think the 49ers wanted a third for him. This was another thing that was in the Browns article, actually. The 49ers wanted a third for him, and Kaepernick wanted the full 12 million salary for this year. The Vikings have some cap room, 
and if they can get him for a third round pick, they may do so. But I just think they they are all in on Teddy Bridgewater as the future, and Kaepernick's not somebody with that contract that you bring in as a backup slash fill in for the next couple of years. You need a Josh McCown who's thirty seven comes in, steadies the ship, and then steps back and allows Teddy Bridgewater to come back in. So you, what you're saying is they can't do a sort of a Jack Wilshire loan move. Uh, Transfer to, deadline day chats. Good, yeah, good. <laughs> Topical. Uh, yellow mic. Um, but they, they, it'd be good if that <laughs> that could happen. Unfortunately, American football's not like that. Uh, Peter also asked, who do the Vikings go for to replace Teddy Bridgewater? I think we've covered that in some distance. Alex tweets, have Dallas landed on their feet and Jerry lucked his way to a potential title-winning team in the next three to five years somehow? Well, Alex, I feel like I've addressed that already, but I will happily address it again. No, no, and no, say it's that fine. I cannot- <laughs> it's fine, Will. I think we've, we know about it. What Alex, what, I think what Jerry Jones needs to do is now sort out that defence. You can't rely on one player in there um, to to make you know uh, one swallow does not make a summer, Alex. Oh, so lyrical, so poetic this early hour of the morning. Maybe we should always record first thing in the morning. Um, you're not wrong though. Uh, Cowboys are a team that lack huge depth on that defence first and foremost. Um, but then combine that with the fact that they've had so many injuries, so many suspensions. They went out and spent big on the draft in it, not necessarily in the high rounds, because obviously they took Ezekiel Elliott at the top. But they did go out and they did pick up a lot of defensive players. But Byron Jones is great. The rest of the secondary is pretty terrible. Linebacker, Sean Lee's great, but made of glass. The rest I'm not so keen on. Uh, yeah, I think the Cowboys are in a bit of trouble this year, uh, as it currently stands. Um, are you going to predict that they're going to be picking first again next year? No, I don't think I'm going to quite predict <laughs> to that level. I still think the Browns could pick first, even though I've just said all those positive things. But I think they're fully bought into the idea that it's a rebuilding process properly a rebuilding process the guys in the front office seem good the guys in the back office seem to know what they're doing Haslam is full support of Hugh Jackson you know don't get me wrong I still think the Browns are going to go probably three wins four wins this year well I think they'll do more than that I think they'll get at least six wins wow six wins I think the Browns especially come the end of the season might surprise a load of people could they finish above bottom of the AFC I think they will finish above Baltimore Wow, that's massive. I don't, but there we go. Um, do you want a beer, bit? Should we talk? Yeah, go on, let's do it. Can you write these down somewhere? You've got a notebook there. Put it on the bar. You, you've got a notebook there under your Harry Potter mug. Actually, why am I? Why do I have a Harry Potter mug? <laughs> uh, because in a short while, we're going to be speaking with Bucks wide receiver Mike Evans, who... Me, at the beginning of the interview, he greeted me by going, my man from the UK. And I was like... Hey, Mike, good to speak with you. Uh, this is, I already like you a lot. Um, so we were talking about their rivalry, rivalry, rivalry with the Panthers and with the rest of the NFC South. And, you know, does it put a chip on your shoulder to have the, the NFC champions in your division, all that sort of stuff? And he just went to me. I know he went to me, well, we've got them on a Monday night game and that's going to be massive and i said it's the sort of game that fans in the uk stay up till one in the morning to watch kickoff is like 1 30 a.m here and he went man do you know why i love the uk harry potter <laughs> <laughs> so i asked him about whether he'd been to harry potter world in florida yeah. i asked him which um house he'd want to be sorted oh, into what, what house did he say uh, he said well the, the interview is coming in about four or five minutes time so it will. it will be you'll get to hear it then um should we talk colin kaepernick yeah so, oh yeah! 
obviously Colin Kaepernick uh, is a situation that if you've not been living under a rock the last week and not just I mean I actually got called from Talksport Ollie I ended up going on Talksport 2 during Ray Stubbs show a couple of days ago as the NFL expert for the station and uh, that was air quoting there just to make sure that people understood why I did it in that funny voice um, and went on with them to talk about Kaepernick Colin Kaepernick is not standing and singing the national anthem and he's not been doing it for a while now but people have just suddenly noticed it's in support of the Black Lives Matters movement um, and I, th- I kind of feel like we don't need to cover the ground of the story you know it's something that's hugely divided both the nation and the sports world. You've got the likes of Jim Brown saying, I'm with Colin Kaepernick 100%, comparing it to, you know, the turbulent age of the 60s and 70s that he lived through and how it was important that at that time that prominent black people stood up and were taken note of and made sure that you know civil rights were fought for. Yeah, he started in 1957, Jim Brown. And so this sort of guy's behind him. Whereas Jerry Rice comes out and tweets that he shouldn't disrespect the flag and that all lives matter. And he actually got in trouble for tweeting all lives matter because that's been a Twitter slogan for anti-Black Lives Matter thing. I don't think he realised that. I think that was more of a faux pas than him coming out you know, in favour of white power mm. groups, etc. But... You know, it has really divided everyone. You've even got the likes of uh, the runner-up to the president-elect coming out and talking about it, telling uh, Colin Kaepernick to find another country during one of his speeches. Um, you, you know, it's just become a huge national story. And I kind of want to know where you sit on it. And I'll give, uh, basically, as a 49ers fan, I'm kind of glad that it's taking away from the nonsense that's going on on the field because we're such a terrible football team that people aren't talking about that anymore. But how do you feel about all of it? I saw, and I think I've retweeted it uh, from my Twitter account, I saw his, all the quotes that have been attributed to him actually came from a locker room interview and where he talks about... um, what Hillary Clinton has since said about uh, has said about black um, black about black teens, uh, what he calls Trump op- openly racist, says some other stuff about Hillary Clinton. This isn't something that he's done on a whim. He actually not believes. I, I know he obviously believes it, but he's he's thought this through, and it's something that actually really does matter. And he spoke very eloquently about it um, after being. After being pushed, I don't think he really particularly wanted to talk too openly about it because he knew what kind of a storm it's going to create. I am fully in support of him doing what he thinks he needs to do to um, public, not publicize, but bring uh, bring publicity to the cause and what's going on in America at the moment. And for what, and he's thought about what. The, the American national anthem means it is all about liberty and freedom and equality. Actually, if you go to the third verse, there's some open lines about slavery in it, but they don't sing those verses anymore. Well, exactly. Good. <laughs> but what I mean, but you know, the whole anthem thing, and I, 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 it's no secret. I won't stand up and sing our anthem. I don't. Yeah, I, I had this con- very same conversation on the NFL UK Facebook fan group. I don't like our anthem. I don't like that it's the only one in the whole world that is about a singular person and in support of a singular person instead of the, you know, uh, profligates of an entire nation. And I don't like that it harks back to our colonisation days. And there's so many things I hate about it that I'm the same. I won't sing it. And yeah, we, uh, we sometimes get some funny looks at the international series games when we 
don't stand for our own anthem. Yeah, yeah, which is weird. However, we do stand for the American one. Um, look, I'm I'm totally in support of Kaepernick. I get it. I totally get what he's doing, why he's doing it, and it's his choice. Americans are very jingoistic when it comes to their anthem, to the banner, to the flag. And I don't think people can see past that. But if they actually look and, and look past all of that jingoism, all of the, you know, the, the supporting of the troops, all of that, and see what actually is going on in, this, in the streets of America and, and you know, how... And he didn't just say people of the, uh, black, people of any colour, minorities. Uh, my problem as well, I mean, maybe it would be more interesting if we were arguing about this rather than agreeing so heavily about it, but uh, the problem with the aforementioned jingoism for me is that it is so blind to the fact that actually uh, what the flag really means, what the anthem really means, like you say, but actually... I've very rarely seen anyone who comes from a military background or has fought for the country or, you know, there's that whole idea of he's disrespected the military, he's disrespected the country. But anyone who's come from that background has spoken out absolutely in favour of him. There was a fascinating interview on NFL Network, NFL Network yesterday with Nate Boyer. And Nate Boyer was um, briefly the Seahawks long snapper last year, but also a former Green Beret in the US Army. And he, this was what he had to say on NFL Network. I would just listen. I would shut my mouth and just listen. There's just so much hate going on from both sides. No one wants to listen. Everyone just can't wait for their turn. It's getting old. At 100% listen, I want Hazel Irvin here, and I'm at Mammoth Insurance in Leeds, where Kate has arranged an office chair race to fundraise for sport relief. And these riders have got their kit on. They are rearing to go. And they're off, taking an early lead and smashing injustice right out of the park. It's Daphne from Accounting, riding the spreadsheet demon chair. Up comes Nina from HR on Beat Me and You're Fired, closely followed by Mark from Marketing on the 9 to 5 chair. Even Javid from Health and Safety's at it, waving his clipboard like crazy. Go easy there, Javid. We don't want any injuries, fella. And from nowhere, it's Jenny on El Chero Loco, rolling right over poverty to cross the line first. And the crowd goes loco. Unbelievable. You can help change the world too. Just order your free fundraising pack at sportrelief.com. Sportrelief. It's game on. This message was brought to you by Acast. To hear everything he's going through, everything he's struggling with. I'll never be able to actually feel what it's like to be him. No one can feel that for anyone else. But at least if I listen with an open mind and try my best to fight judgments that are going on in my head, because we all have those two, you might hear something that resonates with you. And fascinatingly, there's been this hashtag that's emerged on Twitter in the last couple of days, hashtag veterans for Kaepernick. And if you read through the tweets that have come through on that, it's, uh, as it sounds, it's army vets, war vets, navy vets, etc., speaking out in support, not necessarily of his message, but of his method and the, what he's doing. Um, I support Kaepernick because uh, to fulfill America's promise, we must speak out against evil. I'd never try to shame someone with patriotism in order to silence their First Amendment rights. Uh, in America, you have the right that's, to protest. That's a great point there, and they're all yeah. about the amendments, um, the Americans, and it's something that they learn from from primary school or you know grade school as, as as they call it and for someone to say that i think is is 
is bang on, dead on. My husband just returned from eight months deployment defending Kaepernick's freedom of speech. I served 25 years in the Air Force to protect everyone's First Amendment rights. I support you, Colin Kaepernick. You know, all of these same messages coming out. Uh, Veterans for Kaepernick, because I didn't volunteer to defend a country where police brutality can be swept under the rug. So actually speaking out specifically about the message as well. Uh, I didn't, yeah, this, this was a personal favourite. Uh, because I didn't do a seven-month deployment for the racist bigots or for a song. Um, and I served to protect your freedoms, not a song, was another one. So it's been, I, I, I kind of have really taken some heart from a lot of the reaction. Because initially there was so much bile, but actually since then there's been a lot of positivity. I still don't think Colin Kaepernick is the future of this team and has dropped up horrendously. And as Peter King called it in the MMQB, this is a return to relevancy for Colin Kaepernick that mm-hmm. probably goes away again in a few months' time. But as a human being, I certainly have a huge amount more respect for him. And it's interesting that he's spoken so intelligently on this when you hear that his biggest problem is that he's not spending enough time with the playbook that he's not learning the offense enough that that's why Blaine Gabbert's getting a chance ahead of him so yes I support you but as a 49ers fan let's apply some of that to uh, to your football mate come on Bring it back to a football point at the end. <laughs> well done, well done, mate. We've gone full circle. Love uh, that. Let's just bang through the rest of the few news stories, and then we'll get um, Mike Evans, and we'll talk Twitter. Uh, the NFL clears James Harrison, Clay Matthews, and Julius Peppers of uh, in the PED probe. Absolutely no surprise whatsoever here. This is from the Al Jazeera documentary, which also cited Peyton Manning's PED use uh, during his time with uh, when he had back surgery and his return from that. There was not enough evidence in the case of Peyton Manning, and yet they continued to pursue these three. It seemed like the NFL was trying to almost get them to admit to PED use because they didn't have enough evidence. They all stood up. James Harrison has had some amazing tweets since uh, since he was cleared, and they're all going to be playing football week one. So I think that's, you know, probably sure. for the best. Whew. That's a Green Bay Packers fan. <laughs> Phew! <laughs> Holy moly. <laughs> um, few, uh, quite a few bit of pup list news. Patriots put Dion Lewis and Sebastian Vollmer on the pup list. Uh, both those were expected. Um, we also had... Uh, uh, I'm just trying to, sorry, I've put things in the wrong order, Ollie. I've completely ruined this. Uh, the Darius Green. Darius Green's gone on the pup list. Justin Houston, that's a slight more of a surprise. We thought there was some chance he'd return in the first three, four weeks of the season. He'll now be out to, I think, week seven uh, or six with the pup list, which is a shame. Ben Watson's out for the season with a torn Achilles. That's well, do you know what? That's pretty um, devastating. Another, another injury at the Ravens. Well... And look, my uh, Browns finishing above the Ravens talk, it's not looking so silly now. But uh, the, the, This one, Niners placed Bruce Ellington on season-ending IR. That's a real shame for Bruce Ellington because he was looking like he could have a breakout year as the man in the slot with Tory Smith and Quinton Patton outside. But um, Chris tweeted us saying, is there anything more depressing than the fact that Bruce Ellington being on IR really matters to this team? And I mean, that's, that, that's, that's a how great bad tweet. the 49ers have got in the last couple of years. Um, a few big cuts. Bjorn Werner released by the Jags. Um, oh, wow. It's looking increasingly like his uh, NFL career isn't going to work out. Um, John Sullivan released by the Vikings, Ollie. Uh, 
He will not be starting under centre. No, Sully. But there are, there are definitely teams... Wasn't he in our all-NFC North side? <laughs> I, 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 think, I think you put him in there based on the fact that he was fun to interview. Uh, <laughs> What's your problem with that? <laughs> and, and then uh, a few bits of news of the last couple of days. Antonio Brown's restructuring of his deal. Uh, he's restructured it to make sure he uh, gets his wage for this year up from 6.25 to 10.25 million uh, this year with a new signing bonus. I mean that's it. that's incredible, isn't it? That he was on six point the best receiver in the NFL on six point two five million per year. When you think that uh, Randall Cobb two years ago signed a, a ten million uh, ten million dollar um, deal per year, that that's amazing. The, the thing is, the Steelers are one of the teams who quietly are in real cap trouble, and Antonio Brown's going to be the kind of guy who is going to command fifteen, sixteen, seventeen million dollars a year within the next two years so these little restructures to keep giving him more of his money up front from the back end of his existing contract is clearly just preempting that the inevitable and i yeah. imagine that next there was a minor holdout this year i think there'll be a major holdout next year if he doesn't get that big big contract Taylor austin did get himself a big contract four years 42 million dollars um slightly stunned by the size of this Similar sort of money to the likes of Randall Cobb without actually ever being anywhere near as productive. Much more of a gadget player. But if you watch Hard Knocks, he's clearly, they consider him important to their offense. Uh, and the latest episode of Hard Knocks, which I watched this morning before you came over, they actually, um, they talked about the negotiations. And at one point, Tavon Austin's people were looking for AJ Green money or just below that tier. They were looking for 13, 14 million a year and ended up getting bartered down to just a little over 10. But that is overpaying because you've not got any other stars at the position on your team. And the fact is, Tavon Austin is going to be used as a complement to the running game mm. more than he is a, an out-and-out receiver. So we're talking sweeps and, um, you know, trick, tricky... Jet Trick sweeps, Esh lining up plays, in the backfield, yeah. lots of lots of that stuff, lots of slants. Um, I, I imagine there's going to be a huge amount of that. Just very quickly on Hard Knocks, are you enjoying it? Don't give anything away because I'm I've still to start the first episode. I might do that when I leave. I, I'm enjoying it because it's hard knocks and I'm always going to enjoy it, but it's not a vintage season. Uh, the latest episode uh, introduced um, their strength and conditioning coach, who ends up uh, was actually Brett Favre's strength and conditioning coach in Green Bay and was name-checked by Brett Favre in his Hall of Fame speech. Um, but he is the guy who was a great personality, uh, Rock Gullickson's his name. Great personality, great individual. He is so liked by the rest of the team and spends so much time with every player. The strength and conditioning coach is by far the coach who they spend the most time with because mm -hmm. once they're off the practice field, that's the guy who they're with. So he's the guy who goes around and tells them they're getting cut. He's the guy who goes and well, doesn't tell, they go and see Jeff Fisher, but he's the guy who on cuts day goes up to them and says, Coach. Uh, would like to see you and takes them to the coach and oh, no. reassures them, puts the arm around them. You know, he's the grim reaper for the day. What a great character he is. Why we haven't had him in from episode one, you know, even just in the background prior to him becoming the cuts guy, he's been really fascinating. Um, and interestingly, none of the guys that we were concerned about getting cut got cut in the first round of cuts. So mm. we've still got all our characters there. Okay, well, you know, spoiler alert, but. but yeah, we, you'll get over it. There's still another 22 cuts to come. I'm okay. sure some of them will go. Uh, I'm sure I'll cry. And um, you've started Last Chance You, right? I have. I'm two episodes into that as well, but I've kind of as decided... As am I. I. I've kind of decided... 
I really like it, but it's something that I can hold off on. Yeah. It's not something I need to watch now. Real football's here soon. Uh, by the way, kit watch drop. Kit watch. <laughs> Real football. <laughs> is that really? Is that all you wanted it for? <laughs> yeah. You're a ludicrous human being. Um, Joey Bosa is now signing up with the Chargers. Oh, thank God. Yeah. This is so... I'm so over this story. A, a, a couple of people tweeted us relating to Kaepernick, complaining about it a la Deflategate. And I understand that people don't like non-football distractions distracting from football, or not off-the-field nonsense distracting from football, but Joey Bosa was much closer to Deflategate in terms of how ludicrous it was and how little yeah. it mattered. At least... This actually matters and affects real people when it comes to Colin Kaepernick. And I didn't like that comparison. I think people need to take a long, hard look at themselves. And people that I like sent that comparison as well. Regular tweeters. I was a little bit disappointed. Oh, no. Todd Bowles has said that all four quarterbacks could end up on their 53-man roster. Not even just like one on the practice squad could all end up on their 53-man roster. Wow. I, now what I'm imagining is some gadget plays with Geno Smith in the backfield, Hackenberg lining up as a tight end. Uh, where could Bryce Petty be? <laughs> Under set, Bryce Petty centre. Full back. <laughs> <laughs> because that's the only way that works for me. I've just been praising the Browns. Uh, I told you that they will trade anyone with any trade value. They managed to get for Andy Lee, who admittedly is one of the best punters in the league. They managed to get a pick out of the Panthers for him. Plus a punter as well, didn't they? Yeah. Which is, yeah, that's amazing. I mean, punters are people too. They got a fourth round pick and a punter for a seventh round pick and a punter. Well done. Well done, Cleveland. Punter swap. <laughs> and ironically, they're a team who are going to have to punt probably quite a lot compared <laughs> yeah. with the Carolina Panthers. Um, they obviously obviously see a lot in uh, in Carolina's former pan- uh, punter. I kind of think that's all the news. We've gone pretty long already, Ollie. I'm not going to lie. Should we get to Mike Evans? Let's get to Mike Evans. Here is Mike Evans. Really good, fun interview. Wide receiver of uh, wide receiver of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Had some drops issues last year. We do address that. I found him very honest, and he loves the Potter. I'm here from the UK. I'm doing good. We're at two weeks away from real football, not preseason football. Real football coming round. And as much as I can't wait for it all to kick off, I imagine the players are chomping at the bit to get on the field. And we get to bring you not one but two Buccaneers in the space of two days and two of our very favourite players in the league today. It's Mike Evans, wide receiver of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mike, how are you enjoying camp so far? I'm enjoying it. Uh, you know, I, I think I've improved on a lot um, this year, uh, this camp, and uh, I'm excited for the, for the real season to start. What, what about for you, because obviously you missed a lot of last year's pre-season with the hamstring, and uh, so obviously this is your first full camp since your rookie year. How have you approached things differently? Uh, just... I mean, I, I took it serious before, but I'm, I'm going. I'm taking it an extra level because I want to be, you know, the best receiver in the league, and uh, I want this team to, to strive and, and reach all our goals. And uh, you know, I got my weight down, uh, and I'm feeling good, and um, you know, just trying to get through these, this this last uh, last two preseason games healthy, uh, so I can start the season healthy. I was going to ask that because, I mean, trust me, I'm not one to speak to anyone about getting their weight down. But you came into camp 15 pounds lighter. What were you doing before preseason, before camp, to get yourself in shape and to make sure you came in ready to hit the ground hard this year? Uh, the, the main thing for me was eating right. You know, I, I love to eat. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big guy. So uh, when I eat, I put on weight this, that fast. So I just was watching what I ate. And then, um, you know, just an extra workout in, in the sun. 
Now, for you guys, obviously, going into new camp, it's not just uh, a new situation for you in terms of not playing last year, but you've had a change around in coaches. Dirk Cutter's come in as your offensive coordinator, now your head coach. How important was it for the team that Dirk stayed on, and even if it did mean losing Lovey? Yeah, you know, Lovey was a great guy, uh, a great coach, in my opinion. But, you know, we're real comfortable with Dirk. He's um, He has a great offense, and uh, for the offensive guys, we're so happy that, you know, he, he's stayed around because uh, we get another chance to, to, you know, not have to learn another offense. <laughs> and uh, we're able to just play fast and we know the offense like the, the back of our hand now. So uh, that's that's been great. And uh, he, he brings a lot of swagger. So uh, I think we'll have a good year. Yeah, no complaints on that. And it's interesting because I felt Jameis last year. A lot of times you see rookie quarterbacks come in and they're treated with kid gloves a bit. You keep the playbook quite simple. But it seemed like you guys really added some interesting wrinkles last year. Are we going to see more of that this year? Are we going to see more of a variation in the formations and, and try and see you utilize that great backfield and Jameis and yourself in different ways? Yeah, Dirk. Dirk is a he's an offensive guru. He knows how to you know get his uh, playmakers and uh, situations to succeed. And uh, you know. From the start, from what I see so far, it seems like yeah we're gonna take it to the next level. And uh, as far as formations and concepts, but um, it was pretty open last year. You know, James is a smart guy, and uh, you know he he works harder than anybody I've ever I've ever seen. So uh, you know I think we'll probably open it up even more than uh, we did last year. What's your relationship with him like, and, and how much has it helped having a full preseason working with your quarterback this year? Oh, I was great, man. I, I love working with James. Uh, he he pushes me to to be the best player I can be. Uh, you know I feel like I let him down last year a little bit at times, and uh, but this year uh, it won't happen. Uh, I got his back 100, percent and um, you know he's he's always encouraging. So and uh, he wants to give me the football, so I appreciate him for that. Uh, that is a question because last year in terms of yardage catches you were all up on that but yeah that first year you had that ridiculous 12 touchdowns no one necessarily expected that from a rookie it was down last year are you banging on Jameis's door and going look red zone look for me yeah I mean I, I did it I did it last year as well um but it was it was hard because um the DJX was down uh, a, a few games. Austin, Superior, Jenkins were down a few games. Uh, you know, our big red zone targets. And so I got double teamed a lot uh, last year. And uh, something I wasn't very used to um, at the beginning of my rookie year. But I saw some double teams at the end of my rookie year. And then it carried over to the next year. And uh, it, it only hurt hurt me worse um, when VJX uh, and uh, Austin got hurt. You mentioned VJAX there. I mean, you've got a guy who's been in the league for 10-plus years now, been at the very top of his game as well. How And actually a guy you were probably compared to quite a lot coming out of the draft, big body guys, red zone threats. Is How good is it working alongside him, and how much has he helped you? Oh, he's helped me tremendously. He's, he's still helped me to this day. You know, when we watch film together, when we're out there on the field, he lets me know what route to, to run and, and what, what play we got going on. You know, even though I already know, but he he wants to make sure I know, and he wants to put, give me the best you know chance to to help this team. And um, you know, he's a he's a real pro, and uh, I'm very fortunate to you know play with VJX. Is there any? I mean, I don't want to start selling his career away now, but he's just a couple of years probably left in the league, 33 years old. What's the biggest lesson you've taken away from him that you think that you can you can go on and teach maybe rookies coming through in future years? As far as football, just uh, just play fast and uh, just take coaching. You know that's that's what I've learned from him, and uh, it's been working so far. And uh, you know that's what I want to be able to, to pass down to rookies: just play fast, have fun, and um, you know it's your job. Be a pro.
in terms of techniques and transition, have you had to change much moving from college to the NFL level? And, and you mentioned there with the double teams, how's that transition been for you? What have you looked to change this year? Um, as far as college is, um, I played in a spread offense at Texas A&M and it was a lot of, it was, it was much easier to learn. Uh, it took me like a, a few weeks to learn the offense, but it was very effective, you know, in college. But in the NFL, there's a lot of route conversions, and guys are DBs are quicker, so you got to run better routes and things like that. But you know, it was just it was an easy transition because I had you know guys to look up to like DJX and um, you know Josh McCown and things like that to, to help me. But um, double teams, you know, I just hopefully I, we can score uh, big plays and we won't even get in the red zone that much. Now I don't. But, uh, Sorry, go on. What are you saying? No, I was just going to say, no, I don't want to drag up the negative too much, but you had a few drops last year. You know, Mari Cooper, probably the only top-level wide out ahead of you in those terms. I remember it's kind of difficult for a wide receiver because, like, I remember week nine against the Giants, you had about 150 yards, and yet everyone was talking about the three or four drops you had. What have you kind of done this off-season as well to work on that side of your game and to, to try and make sure you've got more assured hands this season? Yeah, um, it was more than three or four. It was like five or six, something like that. No, I didn't want to. I didn't want to drag it up too much, Mike. But no, it was no, six. It's, it's <laughs> no, it's all good. No, I don't know what it was. I, I keep it real. It was six, uh, but it was yeah, it was a terrible game for me, and I had a, a few few bad games. So when it came to that, it was just my focus was was off a little bit last year, and uh, this year it won't happen. I'm a I'm a sure-handed guy. Um, I just been working on extra catches. You know, just trying to get a hundred catches a day at least. Um, that's pretty much it, you know, just getting my hand placement and things like that right and uh, just staying focused. Now, we spoke with Levante David yesterday about leadership, and obviously he's come through with, with Gerald McCoy in front of him as a big leader, but for someone like Jameis, it comes in, the, the, the kind of weight on his shoulder immediately as a top pick to, to lead this team forwards on the offensive side. Uh, what have you seen from him that suggests to you that that's going to just keep going in year two and, and hopefully he can continue to grow as a player but as a leader as well? That's just the guy he is. You know, he's he, uh, he's been a leader in college. He's a, he's been a leader his rookie year in the league. He's very he's a very vocal leader. Like Levante David is more he gets get vocal at times, you know, but he's more of a lead by example guy. James is, is vocal with it. He's gonna get the guys fired up before the games. He's gonna make sure you're um you know, yourself correcting yourself if you make a mistake. Um he's that's the guy he is. He just wants us to win. That's all he wants to do. He wants to win. And uh I think he'll be like that forever. So how good can the offense be this year? Because you've got yourself, you're saying you've made big strides and you want to be one of the top, if not the number one receiver in the league. We mentioned V-Jacks already. And then it, it feels like in Doug Martin and Charles Sims in terms of a one-two punch, one of the kind of best running back tandems in the league, potentially. So do you think this team's maybe going a little bit under the radar at the moment? People aren't talking about the Bucks as being an offensive force in the same way they are maybe like the Packers or someone. I don't, I don't really hear what people say or anything like that, you know. There's a, I know the, the Packers, they got a great offense, but um, we have a surplus amount of talent on, on this team, and, and this offense is very, very explosive. And uh, Dirk is, is going to do a great job of, of getting us the ball and uh, putting us in situations to to be successful. And I think we can be one of the best offenses in the league if we, if we keep putting in the work and uh, just going out there and doing it. What about in the NFC South? Because obviously you've got the NFC champions in there. Does that add a bit of a chip on your shoulder for this year? And and it's a division which looks like it could be seriously competitive this season. Absolutely. Um, we look forward to playing them. I, I believe we have a game against them on Monday night football. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that's like, on that'll a, be my first. Mike, that's on at 1am in the UK, and trust me, there will be lots of fans staying up to watch that one live. Oh, man, I appreciate it. I, I love, I love, um, I love the UK because of Harry Potter. <laughs> I love the UK. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a, a tough division this year. You know, um, the Panthers are the only team we haven't beaten, we didn't beat last year, and we haven't beaten them in like three or four years, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we got to, we want to we want to see them and we want to we want to get a, a win against those guys for sure, as um, well as everybody else in the division. I've got to ask you then. I I came out. To, I was in Florida last off season last summer. Actually, not for football reasons, for my honeymoon. And uh, we ended up. Oh, my nice. my wife is a huge Harry Potter fan, so we ended up going to the Universal and to all of that. Have you been up there and done all of that? Have you a big Harry Potter fan? Yeah, I went. It was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. Brilliant. It's good to know that we've got real cultural touchstones coming up. You give us the NFL and we'll give you Harry Potter. That's fine. That's a good trade-off for me. Oh, that's a that's perfect trade-off for me. <laughs> Brilliant. I've got to ask you... I love as- Harry Potter, really. Brilliant. Uh, I've got to ask you as well, this um, th- this uh, this week Madden came out and there's been a lot of talk about the ratings and where players are and etc. Are you a Madden guy? Do you play Madden? Yeah, I play Madden. Mm-hmm. What did you make of the fact that 86, it seems a little on the low side maybe, you, you're up there on the top level bucks, but, uh, you know, there's, there's maybe they need to see a bit of you on the field to get that rating up. After you, right, yeah. I, actually, I thought, you know, my after my rookie year, I thought I should have been higher, but they, they had me like 87. I thought I should have been like in the 90s. I was like the 20th summer receiver. I, I thought I was a top 10 guy. And then this past year, 86 is... It's fair, I think, but during the season when you update the rosters, um, hopefully I'm playing well and they'll move it up. It's only Doug, I think it's only Doug Martin and G Mac who are ahead of you. Did anyone like when those ratings come out? Do the players like come into the locker room, bit of cock of the walk, bit of like pleased with themselves? No, yeah, we, people don't really talk about it as much as I thought they would have. Like when I was growing up, I thought people always talk about their Madden ratings, but they <laughs> they haven't talked about it. But I've seen it. Yeah, they have James like an eighty-two. Unbelievable. I'm no, he he should be 90 at least. Love it, love it. And I, I guess I've got to ask you then, as a big Harry Potter fan, if you if you were out here, I can't believe I'm asking this question to a star NFL wide receiver, but if you had the sorting hat on, what house would you want to be in? Oh, Gryffindor. Yeah, easy. That was nice and easy. I love it. Uh, look, Mike Evans, it's been a real joy chatting with you. Hopefully the Bucks can get out here and play a game in London and you can come and see some of the Harry Potter sites because they do have a fair few of them. There's a studio tour and that sort of thing. So uh, we'd love to have you out here. It'd be great to, to see the Bucks come and play in London again. All right, man. Thank you. Congrats on the marriage. No worries. Thanks a lot, Mike. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. Mike Evans there for you. Uh, really good fun. I, I really enjoyed his honesty. Or I... I I addressed with him the drops issue, and I, and I related it back to a game against the New York Giants in Week 9 last year where he had 150 yards off eight catches, but he had six drops, including two red zone drops, which could have been touchdowns. And so it was one of the most frustrating games to watch because you're going, that could have been a 250-yard game with two touchdowns if you didn't if it, well, there wasn't a focus issue. And so I kind of brought that up with him, and I said, oh, there was that game against the Giants, and I mentioned the hours, I went, but there were a few drops alongside it as well, and he went, a few drops? I think it was five or six. And I was like, Mike, it was six, but I was trying to be nice about it, all right? <laughs> <laughs> but he was really honest, yeah. um, very open about it. He's come back into camp, dropping a lot of weight. He has uh, been working on his focus, and genuinely... 
I think with Jameis Winston there, they've got a real potential to be a really interesting offense this year. Um, it, I, I went back and I watched a couple of uh, Bucks games in preparation of speaking with Mike Evans, including that game with the um, with the Giants and. What I was amazed by watching it back was Jameis Winston was not running a rookie offense in any way, shape, or form. Some of the really interesting wrinkles and differences and changes that were in there, if they can expand on that with Dirk Cutter going in as head coach as well, and Mike Smith brings that little bit of extra fierceness to their defense that Levante David talked about last year. Robert Ayers in preseason, again, I know it's preseason, but has looked like a real beast, as has Noah Spence as well. You know, actually, the Bucks could be a really interesting team in the NFC South. And suddenly, in my mind, I'm favouring them for at least a second-place finish. Probably we're not better than the Panthers, but should be challenging. More than the, the Falcons, yeah? Yeah, I think the Falcons still lack so much on the defensive side of the ball in terms of pass rush. And they need to... Their line is still not brilliant. I think Devontae Freeman needs a big year. I think Matt Ryan needs to go back to Matt Ryan of two years ago. Um... And Mohamed Sanu needs to take a big step up. There's a lot of ifs and buts with the Falcons, basically. Whereas the Bucks, there's a lot of, ah, maybes. Well, you know the Matt Ryan of two years ago was the Matt Ryan that I I confronted him about when we spoke to him at the Super Bowl. The division of disgrace. Maybe the Matt Ryan of three years ago. Okay, fine. The NFC Championship game, Matt Ryan, who got them within like four yards of the Super Bowl with the 49ers. Three, four years ago, that Matt Ryan. That's the Matt Ryan we like. That guy. Okay, fine. Although we did like him at the Super Bowl. Lovely bloke. Yeah. I've still got that um, that Gillette razor that they gave us. Brilliant. Unused. We're still... <laughs> of course it is. Uh, we actually are going to be speaking with Julio Jones at some point in the next week. Um, but unfortunately, he got injured in the third preseason game. Nothing major. But because of the injury, they have... Um, basically said can you stop putting boxes on my cat please <laughs> playing buckaroo with my cat she's just she's she is not even reacting she's like what a dick um because he got injured in that third preseason game a slight knock he's been out of general practice and as part of that many organizations do this the falcons being one of them he's been kept away from general media duties so we will be lining up an inter- interview with julio jones in the next sort of 10 days or so um but yeah really impressed with mike evans although gryffindor little obvious for you. Too obvious. Um, I had Mike as more of a thinker, more like me, uh, a Ravenclaw, perhaps. Has he been... Maybe this year he needs to be more of a Slytherin on the field. Whoa, nice work. Bit of nastiness. Yeah, Uh, and less of a Hufflepuff like he was earlier on in the year. A wet flannel. Exactly. No one wants to be a Hufflepuff. Uh, (laughs) I do not know enough about Harry Potter, but even I know. You're a Hufflepuff, though, aren't you? Back off. Yeah, honestly, you'd definitely be a Hufflepuff. You need to kiss my ass. <laughs> right, should we get some tweets? We've got about 10 minutes left. We have gone incredibly long Let's do yet it. again. But the reason we've gone incredibly long is there's so much news to cover. We need it to get Because we've only it. done one show a week. No more. What? From next week onwards, we are going to two shows, baby. <laughs> two shows. Oh, that that really did peak hard in my ears then. Uh, yeah, we're going to go to two shows a week. So much like we do during the regular season where we do a review, preview, we get a guest on. We're going to be going to two shows a week from next week. Uh, we will do a show, I guess, on the Monday or Tuesday doing the latest news. Got to be the Monday. And then we'll do a show on the Friday. After the kickoff game, we'll talk about the kickoff game and we'll preview all of Sunday and Monday's games as well. After the Thursday game, you mean, rather than the kickoff game? The game is the kickoff game. But I mean, okay, but 
Oh, what kickoff of the week? Kickoff of the season? Yeah, 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 but we're talking about throughout the week, throughout the season. Yeah, and then through the rest. Of, yeah, so I just meant like, next week, Ollie. Oh, fine, fine. <laughs> Come on, get on board. So yeah, two shows from next week. Um, if you're despairing about that you know where the unsubscribe button is otherwise tell all your friends and tell them to come along and join us for a, a, a now twice a week show tweets Mike Ward says bit late now but you guys should have done in your divisional previews who you would have to coach each team Oof. Um, it's a big question let's go through all of them yeah go on okay so uh, NFC West Bruce Arians, there's no way that Pete Carroll's going anywhere near my team. Yeah, with you, 100%. Plus, I really liked, I saw that, um, uh, I saw a bit of uh, press conference stuff after Bruce Arians had come out of hospital uh, because uh, um, he, he got rushed to hospital with, with stomach pains. I found him really honest, but actually very self-deprecatingly funny. You still haven't watched um, the Cardinals documentary, have you? No. Oh, man, you're going to love Bruce Arians after that. Um, NFC South... It's got to be Ron. Riverboat Ron every single time. Yeah. Not even difficult, that one. Uh, NFC East is an interesting one. So, because we've kind of got a lot of new coaches in there. We're going to have Doug Peterson, uh, Ben McAdoo. You can't really really pick either of those guys. Um, I think you've got to go Jason Garrett. No, I hate Jason Garrett. He's the ultimate 8-8 vanilla coach. So you're going Gruden? I'm taking Jay Gruden. Yeah. Why not? I'll, I'll, I'll go with you. Yeah, I'll go. I'm going to get some stick for that, but I don't care. Uh, who are you taking in the NFC North? Because I kind of feel like well, there's only one choice: the one guy in that division that's won a Super Bowl. Yeah, going forwards, it's got to be him. I'm taking Mike Zimmer. Well. There's a twist of for you right there. We keep not putting these out on Twitter. That's the problem. Uh, <laughs> so would you take... <laughs> what was that extra laugh? Uh, so you'd take John Fox, right? Get out. No? I know this is your house, but get out of it. Jim Caldwell? You liked Jim Caldwell when they came over. Yeah, no. Get out. <laughs> so it's got to be... You think it's Mike McCarthy? Yeah. I think it's uh, uh, your mate there, <laughs> Mike Zimmer. I've already said his name, Frank Zimmer. Uh, all right, let's put that out on Twitter. We'll, we'll see what we can do. Uh, is that all of the NFC? Yeah, is yeah. AFC North. There, now, this is a weird one, this one, because obviously you've got Marvin Lewis. I do like Marvin. Who has been really long tenured, been, uh, you know, taking them to the playoffs consistent years, really turned that franchise around, but has maybe hit a bit of a ceiling. You've got Mike Tomlin, Super Bowl winning head coach. And then you've got John Harbaugh, Super Bowl winning head coach. Oh, my goodness. And And then you've got Hugh Jackson, who, future Super Bowl winning head coach with the Cleveland Browns. This is... Probably the hardest decision that we've got. And hysterical! Hysterical! Just wanted to get a bit hysterical. Uh, I would go... Do you know, John uh, Harbour. I'm going John Harbour. That's really... I, Mike Tomlin would be a very, very close runner-up and would probably be the head coach in many, but many other divisions. The, my reason is, the Ravens, and I know I've picked them to finish below the Browns this year. But that's... I don't think John Harbour could make miracles for the second year running with an ageing, uh, old... Uh, obviously, that's ageing. Ageing, injury-prone squad <laughs> two years in a row. I think he did brilliantly last year to do, to get what he got out of that terrible team and 
nonetheless, they they were okay. So I think John Harbaugh is the right choice. Whereas the other two, Jackson and Tomlin, maybe their days have been have been run. You've convinced know. me. You've convinced me. No problem. AFC East, Bill Belichick. There's no point in even having that conversation. Yeah, don't uh, like it, but uh, you're right. <laughs> Rex Ryan is the other obvious choice, <laughs> or Rob Ryan, yeah. or oh god, Todd Bowles. It's, it's horrendous. I do like Todd Bowles a lot, actually. Um, uh, and a- a- AFC South. So uh, Mike Malarkey, right? No. <laughs> so then you've got uh, Bill O'Brien, Bill Chuck Pagano, <laughs> Gus Bradley. It's either Gus or Bill. I think you've got to go Bill because Gus is unproven. But so Bill O'Brien's not. I mean, he's taken them to the playoffs once. That's but the only re- reason why I've going Bill. I mean, theoretically, Chuck Bagano's more proven, but has uh, fallen off horrendously in the last uh, in the last couple of years in what's happened. But I think he's been put in a tough situation by Ryan Grigson. I like Bill, Penn State alum, good bloke. But I kind of, I kind of want to have Gus's back here. Oh, it's tough. Let's, right, Bill O'Brien's been to the playoffs. You're absolutely right. Let's take Bill O'Brien. I'm overthinking this. And the AFC West. This is another interesting one, because in Gary Kubiak, you've got a guy who's got an AFC cha- uh, championship and a Super Bowl championship. Uh, you've got in Andy Reid, a guy who's been there with the Eagles and been very, very impressive. Yep. So I think those two are probably who you're you're really looking between those two. Um, uh, Jack Del Rio, I don't particularly rate. Massively highly, neither do I, Mike McCoy. So I, I think you've got to go Kubiak. I know... I think Andy Reid's a better coach. I know you and Andy Reid had this moment last year, but... Fellow Ginger as well. You've got to go Kubiak. No, mm. I'm not. I'm going Andy Reid. I'd take Andy Reid over Gary Kubiak. Gary Kubiak had an amazing situation he went into last year, and he's a good, steady head coach. Andy Reid makes differences. Okay, listen. You can have Andy Reid if I can have Mike McCarthy. Over Frank Zimmer. No, I take I take Mike Zimmer and I would take Mike Zimmer and Gary Kubiak as a coaching pair. Well, McCarthy, I was just so unimpressed with last year. He really had a down year for me. Oh, it's tough. It's really right. Well, let's have a think about. It. We'll put it out on Twitter and ask okay, them fine, as well. Fine, 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 fine. Um, quite a few. We're never going to get to all of these tweets now. In fact, quite a few of them are related to a season preview. Let's do right. Next Monday's show is going to be a. Season prediction show. And what we're going to do is Josh asks us which under the radar second year player could be in line for a big jump. That works for that. Um, Adam F., who's going to have the number one overall pick? I said Saints. Saints, I'm sticking with it. We'll get to that. Chris asked us which of last year's playoff teams do you think will have the worst season? Let's get to that. Let's do all of these in next week's big, ridiculous prediction beer bet show. Let's do that. Okay. Fantastic. Uh, the only ones that are relevant really to this week, I'm going to say, let's talk Adam B. Adam B says, rank the rookie slash new QB situation. So the people he's given us his examples are Dak, Goff, Wentz, Simeon, Lynch, Garoppolo. If you switch Garoppolo and Lynch, that could be the order that you're ranking them in anyway. It's not a great list at the moment. Not a great list. Now, I watched a bit of Simeon's game tape from this year, from this preseason. I thought preseason didn't matter, I. Uh, well, I just wanted to see who he was. <laughs> and I also watched a bit of, uh, a bit of him for Northwestern as well. I'm not, I'm, I'm not really impressed at all Oof. in any way with Oof. him. Nasty. Um, I think he struggles throwing to the left um, of the field. He rolls out to the right too much when un- put under pressure. Um, I don't think his arm is is there. I'm I'm worried about 
him as a quarterback. And it says something that he's the best option out of him, Paxton Lynch and Mark Sanchez in Denver. I was trying to find some suitable music for your Trevor Simeon anger, but I couldn't find it. Look, there's Pax- no, Paxton Lynch's no under- project. Anger, there's 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 worry. But Paxton Lynch is your buddy with his big hands. Yeah, yeah slack hand. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, let's let's do that next week as well. Yeah, we'll yeah. get into all of those with the big preview pod. So, uh, Ollie, we've already gone well over an hour. So, any final thoughts? Any missives? Anything you'd like to add? No wonderful stuff well thank you very much as always for tuning in at Gridiron on Twitter to find out more information about us there do give us a rate and a ranking on iTunes or whatever way you listen to us it helps us get more listeners it's ramping up for the season as we speak we are seven days away from real football ten days away from most of your teams playing I cannot wait I'm sure you feel the same football's back yeah this has been the Gridiron Show